Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pushing the Limits with Lisa Tarmati. This week, I have Craig Harper. He is really well known in Australia. He's a broadcaster, a fitness professional, a PhD scholar, uh, an expert on metacognition and self-awareness. And we get talking on all those good topics today and also uh, neuropsychoimmunology, very big word, really interesting stuff. And we get talking about laughter. We get talking about pain management. We sort of go all over the show in this episode, which I sometimes do on this on this uh, show, and I hope you enjoy this very insightful and deep conversation with Craig Harper. Before we head over to the show, I just want to let you know that Neil and I at Running Hot Coaching have launched a new program called Boost Camp. Um, now, this will be starting on the 1st of September, and we're taking registrations now. This is a live eight-week program where you'll basically boost your life. That's why it's called Boost Camp, not Boot Camp, Boost Camp. This is all, you know, all about uh, upgrading your body, learning how to uh, help your body function at its best, learning how your mindset works, uh, and increasing your, your performance, your health, your well-being, and how to uh, energize your mind and your body. In this boost camp, we're going to give you the answers you need in a simple, easy-to-follow process using holistic diagnostic tools and looking at the complete picture. So you're going to go on a personalized health and fitness journey that will have a really life-changing effect on your family and your community. We're going to be talking about things like routine and resilience, mental resilience, which is a big thing that I love to talk about, uh, and how important it is in this time of change, in this time of COVID, where everything's upside down, um, and how we should be all building time and resources around building our resilience and energizing our mind and body. We're going to give you a lot of health fundamentals. Because the fundamentals doesn't mean they're simple and easy to do, it means that you probably aren't doing some of the basics right, and we want to help you get there. And we're going to give you the answers you need in a simple sort of easy process. Um, so we are now in a, in a position to be able to control and manage all of these stresses and these things that are coming at us all the time, and we want to help you do that in the, in the most optimal manner. So check out what Boost Camp is all about. Go to peak wellness.co.nz forward slash boost camp. I'll say that again, peakwellness.co.nz forward slash boost camp, boost with a B-O-O-S-T, boost camp. And we hope to see you over there. Right now over to the show with Craig Harper. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have someone who's a special treat for you who has been on the show before, and he's an absolute legend, and I love him to bits. Craig Harper, welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing? Hi, Lisa. I'm awesome, but you're not. No, I'm in a bit of a mess, people. I've got shingles, a horrible, horrible virus that I advise nobody to get. <laughs> it's not what do, do we know what, um, what causes it, or is it idiopathic, as they say? Yeah, no, it is uh, from the chickenpox virus, although I've never, ever had that virus. So I don't know how, you know, like a, um, it's related to the, like the cold sore virus and all of that, which I definitely have had, mm. um, in my, you know, often. So it sits on the spinal cord, mm. these little viruses and dormant. And then one day when your immune system's bit down, bit down and it, it decides to attack and replicate and, uh, 
go hard out. So, yeah, wow. and I've been down for the count now for two and a half weeks. Wow. And um, a lot, a lot of pain. But um, What is it, like nerve pain or what kind of pain is it? Yes, it's nerve pain. So this one's actually, it hits different nerves in different people depending where it decides to pop out. Mine might wow. hit the femoral nerve, which is one that goes right down from the backbone, uh, quite high up in the backbone, down across the back and then down through the hip flexor and down the leg. So I've got all these horrible looking sores. I look like a burn victim all the way down my leg and across my oh. back. Uh, oh. And it comes out through the muscles, if you like, through the, <laughs> through the nerves, the nerve endings. And causes these blisters on top of the skin, but it's the nerve pain that's really the um, horrible because there's no there's no comfortable position, there's no you know um, easy sort of thing way to lie or sit. And of course, when you're lying at night, it's it's worse. It's worse at night time than in the day. Um, so I've learned a lot about shingles, and as usual, we're using these uh, obstacles to be a learning curve. Why why on earth are you doing a bloody podcast? You should be relaxing. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, uh, <laughs> you're important. You see, I had yeah. to, I, you know I, I had this appointment with you, and I honour my appointments. And Definitely I'm, not important. And um, <laughs> what's the typical treatment for shingles? Well, actually, I wish I'd known this two weeks ago. I didn't know this, but I just had a um, Zoom call with Dave Asprey, you know, of, yeah. of Bulletproof fame, who is one of my heroes, and he's coming on the show, people, shortly. So that's really exciting. Um, he told me to take something called BHT, butylated hydroxytoluene. Wow. Which is a synthetic antioxidant that they actually use in food additives. But he said that kills that virus. And so I'm like, right, get me some of that. But unfortunately, I was already, you know, it's, it's, I only got it just yesterday because I had mm. to wait in the post. So I'm, I'm sort of hoping for a miracle in the next 24 hours. Mm. <laughs> Um, also intravenous vitamin C, I've had three of those um, on lysine, which also helps. Um, I, and, and, you know, one of the funny things before we get to the actual topic of the day um, is I was taking something called L-citrulline, which helps with nitric oxide production and feeds into the arginine pathway. And apparently, while that's a good thing yeah. for most people, the arginine, if you have too much arginine in the body, it can lead to a replication on this particular virus, which is really random, and I only found that out after the fact. But, you know, as a biohacker who experiments, sometimes you um, get it wrong. <laughs> sometimes you turn left when you should have turned right. Yes. So um, that, that you know, certainly took a lot of digging in the in PubMed to find that connection, but um, I think that's maybe what actually set it off, that combined with a, you know, pretty stressful life <laughs> of late. <laughs> it's interesting um, that you it's interesting that you mentioned PubMed because like a lot of people now, you know how people uh, warn people off going Dr. Google, oh, you oh. know, whatever, right? But the funny thing is you, you can forget Dr. Google. I mean, Google's okay, but you can access medical journals, high level. I mean, all of the research journals that I access for my PhD are online. Like yep. you can literally can pretty much access any information you want. And we're not talking about anecdotal evidence and we're not talking about, you know, theories and ideas and random kind of junk. We're talking about the highest level research you literally can find at home now. So if you know how to research and you know what you're looking for and you can be bothered reading 
arduous academic papers, um, yeah, you can you can pretty much learn anything to any level if you're prepared to do the work and you know how and you can be a little bit of a um, uh, a detective, you know, a scientific detective. And that is exactly, you know, what what I keep saying, and I'm glad you said that because you are a PhD scholar and you are doing this, so you know what you're talking about. And this is exactly what, you know, what I've done in the last five years is do deep research and all of this sort of stuff. And, and, and people think that you have to go to university in order to have this education, and that used to be the case. It is no longer the case, and we don't have to be actually in medical school to get access to medical texts anymore, which used to be the way. And so we now have the power in our hands to take, you know, to some degree control over what we're learning and where we're going with this. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it's, um, you know, it's easy. (laughs) As you will know, you know, sifting through PubMed and all these, you know, scholarly Google articles and, and things are, in, in clinical studies is is pretty damn confusing sometimes and, and arduous, but once you get used to that form of learning, you start to be able to sift through relatively fast and you can really educate yourself. And I think, you know, having that growth mindset, I mean, you and I never came from an academic background, mm. um, but thanks to you, I'm actually going to see Professor Schofield next week. Wow. Schofield and looking at a PhD because you know, I really need to add that to my load. But um, <laughs> good I'm for you. That's you know. Well, so. I mean, but you know, the thing is, I, I think in general, and I don't know where you were going to go today, but I think in general, like what one of the things that keeps us young is learning and yeah. and exposing ourselves our mind and our emotions and for that matter, our body to new things, you know, and whether that's new experiences or new ideas or new information or new environments or new people, you know, like this is what floats my boat and, Mm. and it keeps me, it keeps me hungry and it keeps me healthy physically, mentally, emotionally, intellectually, creatively, sociologically. It keeps me healthy. And not only does it keep me in a good place, I'm actually at 57 still getting better. Yeah. And, you know, and people might wonder about that sometimes. And of course there's a, there's an inevitability to chronological, um, aging, you know, like clearly most people at 80 are not going to be anything like they were at 40, not that I'm 80, but, you know, <laughs> but there's, you know, we know now that there's there's the unavoidable um, uh, consistency of time as a construct, as, a, as an objective construct, but then there's the way that we behave around and relate to time and biological aging is not chronological aging. Yeah. And yeah. in the middle of the, the inevitability of time ticking over is, which is an objective thing, there's the subjective human in the middle of it who can do what he or she wants. And so, in other words, a 57-year-old bloke doesn't need to look or feel or function or think like a 57-year-old bloke, yes. right? Yes. So, when we understand that in many ways, especially as an experience, age is a self-created story for many people. I mean, you've met, I've met, and our listeners have met 45-year-olds that seem 70 and 70-year-olds, and we're not talking about acting young. That's not what we're talking about. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about pretending you're not old or acting young. 
I'm actually talking about changing the way that your body and your mind and your brain and your emotional system works, literally, so that you are literally in terms of function similar to somebody or or a typical inverted commas person who's 20 or 25 years younger than you. And, And we didn't even know that this used to be possible, but not only is it possible, if you do certain things, it's very likely that that's the outcome you'll create. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about our grandparents and when I think about my, my nana at, you know, 45 and 50, they were old. Yeah. And and when I think about like now I'm 52, you're 57, we're going forward where we're actually reaching the peak of our um, intellectual, well, hopefully not the peak, we're still going up. Uh, physically, yeah, you got a few wrinkles and a few grey hairs coming. Um, but even on that front, there is so much what's happening, you know, in the longevity space that my, my take on it is, is if I can keep my shit together for the next 10 years, yeah. stuff's going to come online that's going to help me keep it on for another 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. And so for me now, it's trying to hold my body together as best I can so mm. that when the technology does come that we are able to, and we're, and we're accessing some of the stuff now. I mean, I'm taking yeah. some of the, the, the latest and greatest bloody supplements and biohacking stuff and, and actively working towards that and having this, but I think it's the growth mindset. I had um, Dr. D. Martini on the show last week, who I love. I think he's a, an incredible man. Uh and he, his mindset, I mean, he's what, nearly, I think he's nearly 70. Yeah. He's a, he looks he, like he's 40, you know. Yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. And, and his mind is so sharp and so fast to leave you and I in the dust. Uh, and he's processing, you know, like books every day, like, a, you know, more than a book a day, I think he's, he's, he's mowing mm. through. And he's distilling it and he's remembering and he's retaining it and he's giving it to the world. And this is the sort of, you know, but he's nothing exceptional. Like he had learning disabilities, for goodness sake. He had mm. a speech impediment. He did, couldn't read until he was an adult. Mm. In other words, he made that happen, and you and I, uh, you know, we both did, you know, well, you went to university at least when you were younger. I sort of mucked around on a bicycle for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> and travelled the world instead. Um, but, you know, this is this is the um, the beauty of what, the time that we live in, and we have yeah. access to all this. And so that growth mindset, I yeah. think, keeps you younger, both physically and mentally. And this is why I reckon it's really important that we hang around with people who drag us up, not down. And and that could be, you know, um, listening to your podcast, of course. Like I feel like when I listen to a podcast with somebody like you that shares good ideas and good information and good energy and is a good person – like if I'm walking around, I'm literally, I've literally got my headphones here because I just walked back from the cafe listening to Joe Rogan's latest podcast with mm-hmm. this lady from Harvard talking about testosterone. You'd find it really interesting. Oh, wow. We wrote a book yeah. called Tea. Um, but when I'm listening to good conversations with good people, I am one, I'm, I'm fascinated and interested, but I'm stimulating myself and my mind in a good way. And I'm, I'm dragging myself up by exposing myself to good ideas and good thinking and good stories, or it might even be just something that's funny. It might, I'm just exposing to myself to a couple of dickheads talking about funny shit, right? And I'd spend an hour laughing, which is also therapeutic and uplifting, yeah, yeah. you know, and I think there's that, <clears throat> 
I think we forget that we're always feeding our mind um, and our brain something and it's just having more awareness of what am I actually plugging into that amazing thing and not only just what am I putting in my body, which of course is paramount, but what am I putting in, you know, that that thing that sits between my ears that literally drives my life. That's my, you know, my HQ. That's my, you know, my mind is the CEO of my life. So I need to make sure that as much as I can that I'm managing my mind uh, and my mental energy optimally. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of people, if they didn't do well in the school system, think that, oh, well, I'm not academic, therefore I can't learn or continue to learn. And I really... Uh, encourage people if you're listening to this and you didn't succeed in the school system that means absolutely nothing when you're an adult there are you know the school system has got many flaws and it didn't cater to everybody so I just wanted people to understand that you know just like with Dr. Martini, he taught himself 30 words a day that's where he started vocabulary Mm. and he taught himself to read and he taught himself you know and and he and Albert Einstein was another one you know he struggled Mm. at school for crying out loud but so school isn't necessarily the marker of whether you're an intelligent human being or not it's one system and one way of learning that is okay for the average and the masses but definitely it leaves a lot of people thinking that they're dumb when they're not dumb and it's all about those people just just taking one step at a time to move forward and becoming uh you know that growth mindset that i think is just absolutely crucial and and you talked uh, there about laughter and I wanted to go into that a little bit today too because I heard you talking on Tiffany a friend Tiffany's uh, podcast and you were talking how important laughter is for the the, for for our for our body for our mind for our and that if we laugh a lot we're less likely to fall victim to the whole adult way of being which is sometimes pretty cynical and miserable and you know when you think what is it um kids laugh something like 70 times a day and adults yeah. laugh i think six times a day or some you know statistic um do you want to elaborate on that a little bit well I, think- I used to sit down with you know i don't do much one-on-one coaching anymore just because i do you know other mm, stuff but yeah um it i would sit with people and go all right tell me um tell me about you know your you know, your exercise plan, blah, blah, blah. Tell me about your career plan, blah, blah, blah. Tell me about your financial plan, blah, blah, blah. Tell me about, you know, whatever. And they'd have systems and programs and plans for everything. And I would say to them, do you like fun? And they're like, they'd look at me like I was a weirdo. <laughs> uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean? I go, well, what, what do you mean? What do I mean? Like, do you like, do you like having fun? And they're like, very seriously, like, well, of course, everyone likes having fun, you know, and I go, great, what's your fun plan? And they go, what? I go, what's your fun? Like, is laughing and having fun important to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, what's your fun plan? And they, they literally, like, this idea of just integrating things into my life, which are for no reason other than to laugh and to have fun. Not, not to be productive and efficient and to tick more boxes and create more <laughs> income and, and elevate output and tick fucking boxes and hit KPIs and no, just to be silly, just to laugh like a dickhead, just to hang out with your mates or your girlfriends or whatever it is, just to talk shit, just to 
Not everything needs to be fucking deep and meaningful and world changing. Not everything. And in fact, it can't, you know? Yeah. Because we, our, our brain and our body and our emotional system um, and our nervous system, and it, it can't work like that. We can't be elevated all the time. And so, literally, when we're laughing, we're changing the biochemistry of our brain. You know, literally, when we're having fun, we're impacting our immune system in a real way through that thing I've probably spoken to you about psychoneuroimmunology, right? We are, we're literally doing our biology good by laughing. And, you know, and there's got to be, for me, there's got to be, because like you probably, I have a lot of deep and meaningful conversations with people about hard shit. Mm. Like, I'm pretty much a specialist at hard conversations. It's what I do. Um, And, but, uh, you know, and, and I work a lot and I study a lot. And so then there needs to be a valve. You can't be all of that all of the time because you're human. You're not a cyborg. You're not a robot. And this hustle, 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 grind, work harder, sleep less. You can, you you know, you can sleep when you're dead. It's all (laughs) bullshit because also, yeah, I want to learn and grow and evolve and I want to develop new skills. But you know what? I want to also in the moment laugh at silly shit and I want to be happy and I want to hang out with people I love and I want to be mentally and emotionally and spiritually nourished. Like it's not just about acquiring knowledge and accumulating shit that you're probably not going to use. It's also about the human experience now. It's like this is, and, and this almost sounds contradictory, but because of course we want a, a future plan and we want goals and all of those, but we're never going to live in the present because when we get there, it's not the present, it's just another installment of now. So when <laughs> we, next Wednesday comes, it's not the future, it's now again because <laughs> life is never ending now. It's all about now. Right. It's like you only, like live, living is a present tense verb. You can't living in the future <laughs> and you can't live in the future. You can and yes, I know this gets a little bit, uh, what's the word, existential, but it's the, the truth is that, yeah, we need to, well, we don't, we can do whatever we want, but I believe we need to be stimulated so we're learning and growing and we're doing good stuff for our brain and good stuff for our body, but also that, that we are giving ourselves uh, a metaphoric hug and going, it's all right to lie in your bed and watch Netflix as long as it's not 20 hours a day, five days a week. You know, mm-hmm. it's okay to just laugh at silly stuff. It's okay that there's no purpose to doing this thing other than just joy and enjoyment. You know, yeah. um, I think right. that people like you and me who are, Maybe we would put ourselves in the, you know, kind of driven right. category, right? You, this is, you and I are no good at this, uh-huh. like at times having fun and just going, I'm going to do fuck all today because the moment that we do sometimes we start to feel guilty and we start yeah. to feel like, fuck, I'm not being productive. Yes, I've got yep. to be productive. Well, that, that like in itself shingle. is a problem for high performance. Like <laughs> fuck your high performance and fuck your productivity today. Be unproductive, be inefficient, and just fucking enjoy it. You know, not because in a minute we're going to be dead. Yeah. We're going to go, oh, but fuck, I was productive, but I had no <laughs> fun. I never laughed because I was yeah. too busy being important. Fuck yeah. all that. <laughs> this is like so because, yeah, and I think both of us have probably come a long way around finding that out. I mean, I. Like I, I used to love reading, you know, fiction novels, and then I went, "Oh, I can't be reading fiction novels. I've got so many science books that I have to read." Mm. And here I am, a you know, 
you know, dealing with insomnia at two o'clock in the morning, reading texts on, I don't know, nitric oxide, you know, yeah. it's just <laughs> some bloody thing. Oh. And, um, and it, 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 it is this argument that goes on still in my head. But that was an hour where you weren't learning something, and you know, and I like because I, I know that if I if I if I go for a big drive or something, and I have to travel somewhere or I'm going for a long run or something, oh, I've probably digested a book on that 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 road trip or the or three or you know ten podcasts or something, and I've actually oh I get to the end and I'm like wow I achieved something I've got my little dopamine hits all the way through, but now I sort of come to also sort of understand that. Um, you need this time out and you need to just have fun. And I'm married to this absolute lunatic of a guy called Hazley O'Leary who I just love because all day, every day, he is just being an idiot Mm. in the best sense of the word, you know. And I come out and I'm like grumpy and, you know, had a a hard day and I'm tired and I'm stressed. And and I come out and he's doing a little dance, you know, doing some stupid meme or, or saying some ridiculous thing to me and I'm just like, you know, I crack up at it. Mm. And that's the best person to be around because they keep me and I'm like, come on, stop being stupid. You should be doing this and you should be doing that. And then I hear myself and I'm like, mm. he's got it right. <laughs> well, I think he does in some ways, you know, <clears throat> and excuse me, it's not about all, it's not about one or the other. It's nah, about it's both. And it's yeah. recognising that, <clears throat> you know, if I look after my energy um, and my emotional system and all of that, I'll get more done in eight hours than 12 hours when I'm not looking after myself. Yeah. So more is not better necessarily. In fact, often more is not better. Sometimes more is worse, you know. So there's a difference between, you know, volume of work and, and output and, and quality of work. Um, and also, you know, quality of experience. Like I wrote a little thing yesterday um, just talking on social media about the fact that I, like all of the things that I do, even study, although it's, it's, it's demanding, but I enjoy it. And my job, you know, like right now, you and I do podcasts. I do seven podcasts a week apart from the ones like this where I'm being Mm. interviewed by someone else or spoken to by somebody else and my life is somewhat chaotic but I don't really in terms of having a job in inverted commas well one I don't have a job I haven't had a job since I was 26 and two I don't really feel a sense of work like most people do like the other night I did a gig I don't know if you if I post a little thing about this on um insta and I was doing a talk for Hewlett-Packard in Spain. Now, how cool is the world, right? <laughs> so I'm talking I'm talking here, right here in my house. You can see, yeah. obviously, your listeners can't, but I'm, this is not video, is it? No, it's just both. audio. Both, oh, both, both, both. Yep. <coughs> Starring. Oh, I, I wish I knew that earlier. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Sorry, everyone, I would have brushed my hair. <laughs> but anyway. Um, You're not in a singlet. That's a starter. You, you should see my hair, by the way. <laughs> I look like bloody Doc from Back to the Future. <laughs> anyway, but I'm sitting in here, I'm sitting in this studio and I'm about to talk to um, a few hundred people in Spain, right, which is where that's where they're, well, that's the, where I was dealing with the people who were organising me to speak. And, and 
just before I'm about to go live at 5.30 and the lady who had organized me was texting me. So it's on Zoom. There's already a guy on the screen speaking and then lots of little squares of other humans. And I said to her, how many? And she said, oh, you know, like a few hundred. I'm cool. I said, cool. I go, everyone's in Spain. And she goes, no, no, we're in Spain, but the audience is around the world. And I mm. go, really? How many countries? And she goes, 38. Wow. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, I'm I'm wearing a black T-shirt. I'm wearing my camo shorts. I've got bare feet. And I'm talking to <laughs> hundreds of humans from this big organization in 38 countries. And I'm talking about the stuff that I am passionate about, right? I don't have to do any prep because it's my default setting and mm-hmm. I'm just talking. I had to talk for an hour and a half about high performance. Wow. Well, giddy up. That's like an hour and a half of breathing, for yeah. me, you know. <laughs> so, so, good at it. so I just had such fun and I had this moment, um, Lisa, halfway through, I don't know, but about halfway through where I'm like, I remember growing up in a paradigm where pretty much when I was a kid, everyone went and got a job and you went and you became a fireman or a cop or you sold clothes or you're a brickie or a sparky or you're some kind of tradie. A few of my super smart friends went to university. That was way over my head. I'm like, fuck university. (laughs) You know, but there was literally about, I don't know, 50 jobs in the world. Yeah, this is where I You know, it's like there was only 50 jobs and everyone or nearly everyone fitted into one of those 50. There was a few other ones, but for the most part, nearly everyone fitted into about 50 jobs. One of those boxes. And I'm sitting there going, I'm, I won't say what, but I'm earning pretty good money. And I'm sitting in bare feet in my house talking to humans around the world about this stuff that I want to tell everyone about anyway. (laughs) And I do for free on my podcast and your podcast and I do it anyway. I have this great time. It's a really good experience. And then I finish at 7 p.m. and then I walk 15 feet into the kitchen and put the kettle on and check my messages. (laughs) No commuting, no travelling, no flying. How is this a job? I'm like, how is this real? Yeah. I go, this is a scam. I'm scamming everybody. <laughs> like, how great is how great? How great is 2021? Yeah. How great? And I know there's a lot of shit going on, and I'm not yeah, trying is. to be insensitive. And it smashed my business too. All of my live events for 2020 yeah, <laughs> got kicked in the dick in yeah. two weeks, right? Yeah, so I got I went a, down I got the fi- <laughs> Yeah, I got financially annihilated. But you just go, oh well, we'll improvise, adapt, overcome, and figure shit out. But yes, exactly. You know, and I think when you can have, and a lot of people talk about this, and it's very uh, a well-worn kind of idea, but. You know, when you're what you what you love and what you're curious about, and w- how you make a few bucks, when that can all collide, then life is a different thing. Then there's not work and life; there's just life. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when we talk about this idea of work-life balance, you know, I, it's like the old days they'd talk about that a lot, and it's like almost like there was some seesaw, some metaphoric seesaw with work on one side and life on the other. And And when you get the balance, I'm like, fuck that. Because what happens, think about this. If we're just basing basing it on numbers like, oh, 40 hours of work versus, you know, however many hours of non-work or however many hours of recreation and recovery and 
if you're doing even 20 hours of a job that you hate, that's going to fuck you up. Yeah, yeah. That's going to that's going to mess with you physically, mentally, and, and emotionally. That's going to be toxic. That's going to be damaging. That's going to be soul destroying. Versus something else like me studying 40 hours a week, working 40, 50 hours a week, doing 90 in total, um, depending on the week, and loving it, and loving it, and going, I I feel better than I've ever felt in my life. Yeah, and. Awesome. And I still train every day and I still, I live 600, 800 meters from the beach. I still walk to the beach every day, you know, and I still hang out with my friends. You know, it's like, it doesn't have to be this cookie cutter approach. Like the beauty, I think of life with your food, with your lifestyle, with your career, with your relationships, with the way that you um, learn, like the way that you do business, everything now is so much more flexible and optional than any time ever before that we can literally create our own blueprint for living. Yeah, and and then it's not always easy and it, sometimes it takes time to get momentum and stuff and, you know, being, you know, both you and I have both said it before, we're, we're unemployable, like I'm definitely not someone you want to employ because I'm just always going to run my own ship. And, and, and I've always been like that and that's that entrepreneurial personality. So, not everyone is set up for that yeah. personality-wise. So, you know, we're a certain type of people that likes to run in a certain type of way and we need lots of other people in doing the, the, the other parts. But there is this ability now to start to change the way you think about things. And this is, I think, really important for people who are unhappy in where they're at right now to think, hang on a minute, I've been, I don't know, policeman, teacher, whatever you've been, and I don't want to be that anymore, is there another, is there another me out there? Is there, is there a different future that I can have? The answer is yes, if you're prepared to put the work and the time and the effort, the looking, the understanding, the learning, the change, being adaptable, the risk-taking, all of those aspects of it, yes, but there is ways now that you can do that where there weren't 30 years ago. You know, when I came out of school, I, you know, I couldn't be, well, I was going to be an accountant. Can you imagine anything worse than that, you know? <laughs> hey, hey, shout out to all our accountant listeners. We love <laughs> you and we need you. you yeah, but I wasn't that, like, you know, I, I, I was academically that's, you know, I was good at it, um, but, geez, I hated it and I did it because of, you know, parental <laughs> pushing in that yeah. direction. Uh, thank goodness I sort of woke up to that and, you know, after three years, uh, I had Mark Commander Mark Devine on the show. He's a Navy SEAL man. You have to have him on the show. I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. He's just epic. Um, and he became an accountant before he became a Navy SEAL. And now he's got the best of both worlds, really, you know, but like you couldn't get more non-accountant like than, than Mark Devine. In other words, we all go into the things when we leave school that we think we're meant to be doing. And that up necessarily, and and I think you know the most interesting fifty-year-olds still don't know what the hell they want to be when they grow up. Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy pushing the limits, if you get great value out of it, we would love you to come and join our patron membership program. We've been doing this now for five and a half years, and we need your help to keep it on air. It's been a public service, free for everybody, and we want to keep it that way but to do that we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out so if you're interested in becoming a 
patron for Pushing the Limits podcast, then check out everything on patron.lisatarmaty.com. That's P-A-T-R-O-N dot lisatarmaty.com. We have two patron levels to choose from. You can do it for as little as $7 a month New Zealand or $15 a month if you really want to support us. So we, we are grateful if you do. There are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us. Everything from workbooks for all the podcasts, the strength guide for runners, uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatamati.com and thanks very much for joining us. You know, yeah, I'm still in that camp. <laughs> well, you, uh, you raise a really interesting point too, and that is programming and conditioning. And, you know, because we all grow up being programmed, um, you know, consciously or not. We grow, if you grow up around people, you're being programmed. So, mm-hmm. and that's not a bad thing. That's, that's an unavoidable human thing. So, situation, circumstance, environment, school, family, friends, media, social media, all of that stuff shapes the way that we see the world and shapes the way that we see ourselves. And so when you grow up in a paradigm that says, okay, Lisa, when you finish school, uh, you have to go to university or you have to get a job or you have to join the family business or you have to work on our farm or whatever it is, you grow up in that. And, and, you're taught and told and trained. And so you don't question that, you know. And for me, I grew up in, in the uh, 70s, I finished, and 80s, I finished school in 1981. And I grew up in the country and most people got a trade or most people worked um, in logging or on a farm or, and I would say about uh, five in a hundred of the kids that I did. And by by the way, doing year 12 was pretty big deal in yeah, 1981, yeah, yeah. right? It's yeah, like, yeah. wow, geez, are you a brainiac? <laughs> Definitely wasn't a brainiac. But year 12 was a big thing now. And it's like now, even if you have an undergrad degree, that you, it's almost Nothing not really now. enough. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, you kind of got to go get honours or masters or maybe even a PhD down the track. And, and that landscape has really changed. So um, it's just it's changing again too, you, you know, uh, and, and I think to become aware, like this is for me, I, this is my shit, this is what I love, is starting to become aware of our lack of awareness and starting to become aware of my own programming and go, oh, I actually think this way, not because this is how I naturally think, but because this is how I've been trained to think about work. I've been trained or programmed to think this way about money or relationships or marriage or eating meat or being a Catholic or being an atheist or voting liberal or whatever it is, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and not that any of those things are good or bad, but and it's not about how I eat or how I vote or how I worship. It's about how I think. And is this my thinking or is this just a reflection of their thinking? Right, So when we open the door on metacognition, now we start to become aware of our own stories and where they come from. And this is where I think we really start to take control of our own life and our own present and our own future that doesn't exist, by the way, but it will, but it won't be the present. And we, <laughs> then, we start to, then we start to write our own story with our own voice, not our yep. parents' voice. Yep. Not our friends, not our peers' voice, you know. And we're always going to be influenced by other people, of course. 
um, just like people are influenced by you and your podcast and your stories and your thinking and your lessons for them, they're influenced. But I always say to people, don't believe me because you like me. Listen to me if you like me and consider what I say. And if what I say sounds reasonable for you, like maybe a good idea to test drive, take that idea for a test drive and see if that works for you because it might not, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, like I really encourage people to learn for themselves and to listen to their own internal wisdom that's always talking. So listen to smart people. I don't know if Lisa and I are in that category. Lisa is. (laughs) Listen to her. But, (laughs) But at the same time, you know, do your own, like learning through exploration and trial and error and personal kind of curiosity and drive. For me, you know, it's like I opened my first gym at 26, first personal training center in Australia. There weren't any. I'd never done a business course. I've never done an admin course. I knew nothing about marketing. I knew nothing about employees. I knew nothing. But I learned more in one year than I would say most people would learn in five years at university studying business because mm-hmm. I was in the middle of it and I, I was going to sink or swim. Yeah. So in one year, I, I started a business and I acquired overwhelming knowledge and skill because I had to because of the situation, but that was all learning through doing. So the way that you've learned, you know, you said earlier that like a lot of people think that they're not academic, therefore they're not smart. Some of the smartest people I've ever met, and I don't, I'm just not being patronizing, but like mind-blowingly brilliant how they think. Yeah live outside of academia. And one of the reasons some people are so brilliant outside of academia is because they're not forced into uh, an echo chamber of thought. Exactly. Right? They're living outside the academic paradigm where we're not trying to restrict how you think or write or speak. Um, There are no rules out here. So there's no no, uh, intellectual inhibition. Yeah, right. I love Whereas that. Whereas when you do a PhD like me, and I, I can separate the two, thankfully, mm, but there's a way of science. communicating and writing in PhD land, which is incredibly restrictive because of the scientific process, which is fine. I get that. But it's having an awareness of, you know, this is what I'm often talking to my <clears throat> supervisors about is, yes, I'm studying this thing, which is is deep deep neuropsychology and everything, the way that you do your research, get your data, interpret your data, um, uh, you know, the whole process of creating new science, which is what you're doing as a PhD, creating, bringing something new into the world. That's one thing. But, you know, okay, so you write your journal articles, which is my PhD process. You get them, hopefully you get them published in academic um, resources and and, uh, magazines. But then I, I don't want that to be it. I, I'm going to write a book when I finish about all of my research, totally in layman's terms, so that people can use the knowledge, <laughs> so that people can, because that's the value. For me, handing in some papers and going, oh, Craig Harper's an academically published author, that's cool, but it's not, it, it, and I, I'm so respectful of people who have had hundreds of things published, but that doesn't blow my socks off. I'm not really... Like yeah. that's a real, you really hang your hat on that in academia. Oh, how many, yeah. 
how many many things has he or she had published, right, publications, which is cool and they're all smarter than me, but I'm not, I'm like, yeah, that, that's cool, but I, I want to connect with the masses, not the few. And yeah. also, by the way, people who read academic papers, they're reading, they're reading it generally, just like I am right now, for, for a specific reason, yeah. which relates to their own research. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there ain't too many people like you. You're one of the rare ones who just thumbs through fucking <laughs> academic <laughs> journals well, <fun>. to, to, <laughs> to make your life better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and, and oh, oh, that's just some real gold. So you've 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 got the wisdom of having lived outside of academia and being a pracademic, as our friend uh, Paul Taylor says, and and then actually seeing the because uh, this is a discussion that I had when I was talking to someone about doing a PhD, and they said, but then you're going to become a part of the establishment, and you're going to be forced into this box and I said nah not necessarily because yes, I, I can see where you're coming from but you can take that because you have that 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 maturity and that that life experience and you can fit yourself into the box that you have to fit into in order to get those things done that that research done and to but you don't have to stay there that, that's what like, you know one of my things has been I don't want to spend however many years doing a PhD and then that's not out in the world. Like to me, that that needs to be then taken out of the academic journals, wherever you got it published, and then um, put out into a book or something that where it's actually shared, like you say, with the masses. Because otherwise, it just collects dust, like you know your your MA does or your whatever you know that sits on your bookshelf. And hey, you got your exam, your piece of paper, but you didn't actually do anything with it. And of course, lots of people do do things. They go and they they're in research and they're the the furthering research and so on. But I, I my approach, and I think yours is too, is to be able to communicate that information that you've learned to, and then share it with 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 everyone so that they can actually benefit from it and not just the people that are in academia. And the other thing I see after interviewing hundreds of doctors and scientists and and people is that they are, actually, the more specialised they are, the more inhibited they are by what they can and they can't say. And while they need to be doing that because they need to protect what they are doing in their studies and what they're allowed to and what they're not allowed to do and say, it also is very inhibiting and they don't get the chance to actually express what they would actually like to say. Uh, and that's that's a bit of a shame, really, because you don't get to hear the real truth and the qualifying everything flat stick. You know? I reckon uh, you're exactly right, but they don't need to be that. And And the reason that a lot of academics are like that is because they get their identity and sense of self-worth from being an academic and they're way more worried about three of their peers hearing something that might not be a 100% accurate and then being reprimanded or rather than just going, look, you know, I, I always say to my academic, super academic friends when I talk with them, you know, not everything that comes out of your mouth needs to be research-based, right? It, you can have an idea and an opinion. In fact, I want to hear your ideas and opinions. Yes, and you're educated. You know, that's the, the, you know, the, and as for the idea of you becoming an academic, no, you go, you do your thing, you study, you learn the protocol, the operating system, um, and you do that, you go through that process, but you're still you right? And there's, you and I both know there are lots of academics who have 
overcome that self-created barrier like Andrew Huberman. Yeah, who um, love. And who we love, who for people listening, here's Huberman Lab on um, Insta. And there's quite a few academics now, like the one that I spoke of before on Joe Rogan. You know, she's a Harvard professor. She's a genius. And she's just having a, it's a three hour conversation with Rogan about, you know, really interesting stuff. And so there's been a bit of a shift and there is a bit of a shift because people are now the smart academics, I think, um, are now starting to understand that used the right way, that podcast and social media more broadly are unbelievably (laughs) awesome tools to share your thoughts and ideas and messages. And by the way, we know you're a human and if you get something wrong every now and then or you whatever, it doesn't matter. Well, I you mean, will get – I mean, you watch on social media, Dr. Rhonda Patrick's another one that I follow. Do you, do you follow her? Yeah, Found yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic lady. Uh, you know, and you watch some of their uh, feeds on social media and they get slammed every day by people who are pretending to be bloody more academic than, than her. Uh, and that just, just makes me laugh, really. I'm just like, wow. But, you know, they have to put up with all of that. And the, the bigger your name and the more credibility you have as a scientist, the more you have to lose in a way. You know, even David Sinclair, another, you know, brilliant scientist yep. who uh, loves work. And I love the fact that he shared us with, uh, you know, all his all his research in real time, basically, you know, bringing it out in the book Lifespan, which you have to read, Um and getting that out there in the masses, but rather than squirreling it away for another 20 years before it becomes part of our culture and part of our, you know, clinical usage, you know, like yeah. we haven't got time for that. We yeah. have to, you know, we're getting old now. I want to know what I need to do to stop that now. And, and mm. thanks to him, you know, I've got some directions to shoot him. Mm. Uh, whether he's 100% there and he's got all the answers, No. But he's sharing where we're at from a progress. And science, science by its very nature, is never finished. We never have the final answer because we, when, and if someone thinks they do, then they're wrong because they're not. We, 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 we're constantly iterating and changing, and that's the whole basis yeah. of science. Well, you know? just think about the food pyramid. That was science for a few decades. <laughs> and lots of people still believe that shit. That's the scary thing, you know, because now that's filtering still down into the popular culture that that's what you should be doing, you know, eating your Weet-Bix and God knows what, um, you know. And, and this is the, the scary thing that it takes so long to drip down to people who who aren't on that cutting edge and staying up with the latest stuff because they are basically regurgitating what, they, what was 20 years ago and not what is now. Now, Craig, I know you've got to jump off in a second, but I wanted to just ask you one more question, if I may. They're completely different, but I wanted to go there today because I'm, you know, going through this bloody shingles thing. Your mate Johnny that you train and who you've spoken about on the last podcast who had a horrific accident and amazingly survived and you've helped and he's helped you and you've helped him uh, learn life lessons and recover, but he's in constant chronic pain. I'm in constant chronic pain now since two and a half weeks. For frick's sake, man, I've got a new appreciation Mm. of the damage that that does to your psyche. Like I just said to my husband today, like I've been on certain drugs, you know, antivirals and, and, and pain medication. I can feel my neurotransmitters are out of whack. I can feel that I'm becoming 
uh, depressed. Mm. Uh, and I like I have a lot of tools in my toolbox to deal with this stuff. Mm. And mm. I am, am freely sharing this because what I want you to understand is when you when you're dealing with somebody who is going through chronic pain, who who has been on medications and, and antibiotics and God knows whatever else, mm. um, understanding the stuff that they're going through because I now have a bit of a new appreciation for well, this much of an appreciation for someone what like like yeah. Johnny's been through. Yeah. What's your take on on how pain and and all this affection neurotransmitters and the drugs are caused? Do you know what? You've got There's, two minutes, mate. Yeah, no, I, I'm actually going to give you. I'm going to hook you up with a friend of mine. His name is Dr. Cal Fridman. Mm-hmm. He is super smart, and he is he specialises in uh, in pain management, but he has a very different approach, right? He's a medical doctor, but look, uh, in answer to, I talked to Johnny about the pain a bit and we have, we use a scale, obviously 10 is 10, uh, zero is zero. There's never a zero. Every now and then it's a one or two, but he's never pain free. Mm. Um, and uh, because he has massive nerve damage and sometimes, Ooh. sometimes he just sits down in the gym and he, he, He'll, he'll just, I'll get him to do a set of something and he'll sit down and I just see this, his whole face just grimaces and he goes, just give me, give me, give me, give me a sec. And his fists ball up. He goes, sweat, sweat. And I go, what's, what's going on, mate? And he goes, it feels like my leg, my whole leg is on fire. Yeah. I can so relate to on that right fire, now. <laughs> right. And, wow. and like literally on like burning, like <sighs> excruciating. And I don't think there's any, I mean, obviously if there was, we'd all be doing it. There is no quick fix. There is no simple answer. But what he has done quite successfully is changed his relationship with pain. And so there is definitely, 100% definitely a, a cognitive element to of, of course, the brain is, because the brain is part of the central nervous system, of mm. course, the brain is involved. But there's another element to it beyond that, right? Mm. Mm. So I'm going to tell you a quick story uh, j- that that might fuck up a little bit of Dr. Kell if you get him on. But <laughs> he he um, he's done a couple of presentations for me at my camps and he's been on, the, he's been on the, my show a little bit. But he told this story about this guy at um, a construction site that was working and he, he, um, he had a workplace accident and he, he built a, shot a, shot a like a three-inch nail through his boot, through oh. his foot, oh. right? So the nail went through his foot, through the top of the leather and out the sole and he was in agony, right? And he, he like, you know, fell down, whatever, and he's just rolling around in agony and his mate's... Uh, kind of like they didn't want to take anything off because it was through the boot, through his foot. Yeah. So they waited for the ambos to get there um, and they gave him, you know, they gave him the green whistle, you know, the whatever yeah. that is, the morphine, didn't the morphine. do anything. He was still Jeez. in agony. Wow. And then he was he was in agony. Anyway, they get him into the back of the ambulance and they cut the boot off and the nail has gone between his big toe and second toe and didn't even touch his foot. Oh, wow. In other words, psychologically, he there thought it There was no gone. injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but the guy was literally in excruciating pain. Yeah. He was wailing. Yeah. And they gave him treatment. It didn't help. He was still in pain. Yeah. 
So what that so there is an us, element of what that tells us is our body can, our mind can create real, not perceived, but real pain right. in the body. And again, this is, and this is where I think we're going in the future, where we start to understand, like, if you can create extreme tra- pain in your body where there is no biological reason, reason yeah. like the, there is no actual injury, there's no physical injury, but, but you believe there's an injury, now you're in agony. I think about, and there's a really book, good book called um, Mind Over Medicine by a lady called Lissa Rankin, which we might have spoken about, L-I-S-S-A, Lissa yep. Rankin, mm-hmm. Mind Over Medicine. And she talks, what I love about her is she's a medical doctor and she, um, she gives case after case after case of healing happening with the mind where people think, you know, placebos and nocebos, people getting sick where they think they're getting something that will make them sick, but it's nothing. They mm-hmm. actually make themselves sick. And conversely, yeah. people getting um, well uh, when they're not actually being given a, a drug, exactly. they're being given nothing, but they think it's something. Uh, even this, and this is a fascinating, this operation, this pseudo operation they did. Oh, the knees. People with, with people yeah, with I knees. read that one. Yeah, yeah. amazing. I read that study. So, yeah, it's, look, pain is something that even the people who are experts in it, they don't fully understand. Well, um, I just like, the, just in the, if I can interrupt you there very briefly, because, you know, I've been studying what the hell nerve pain and, you know, and, and I'm like, my my sores are starting to heal up, right? So my head, I'm like, well, I should be having less pain. I'm getting more pain from the burning sensation of my legs and my nerves because it's nerve pain. Uh and so I read somewhere that cryotherapy was good. So in the middle of the night when I'm in, you know, really bad pain, instead of lying there and just losing my shit, and and uh, I, I now have been getting up every night and having two or three cold, ice-cold showers a night, which probably not great for my cortisol bloody uh, profile, but it's uh, I'm just targeting that leg, and, yeah. and, it, and it interrupts the pain sensation. Yeah. for a few minutes and what I'm trying to do is I go, I'm trying to go like well can I am I getting pain because my brain is now used to having pain mm. and it's sending those messages even though there's no need the sores are healing mm. that is, um, that, that is am possible. I breaking and I, and, I, and I can break the pain for about 10 minutes and then mm. it will come back in again but I'm continuing on with that that, that idea mm. that I can interrupt that pain flow and then of course doing the breathing, the meditation, the the stuff, and sometimes you just lose your shit and you you lose it. <laughs> and then you and then you just start crying and you you know, mummy, bring me some chicken soap type moments. Um, but it's a really interesting so I mean I, I, I just like to look at all these shit that we go through and then say, Well, how can I dissect this and make this a learning curve? Because mm-hmm. obviously done something wrong. But I, I just I, I feel for people that are going through years of this. Ah, uh, it's it's yeah, I'm the same. I feel sometimes I work with people where I work with, and as do you, I work with a lot of people who have real problems. Like I mm. don't have any problems. I mean, they have mm. real problems. Mm. And I'm, I'm a, despite my <laughs> appearance, <laughs> I'm, I'm quite, I'm very compassionate. And yeah. it, it's, it's, it's hard for me because I, it upsets me to see people in pain. You know, um, and I feel I feel simultaneously sad and guilty 
You know, you go, stop it. How do I? How do I deserve this? You know, it's it's, but it yeah. just is what it is. But but people like John and you know, um, a lot of the people that I've worked with and you've worked with, you know, people like that inspire me. I mean, they're like, I don't find typical heroes and inspirational. They don't really inspire me like that. Whatever the people we normally hold up as the, I mean, well done. I think they're great, but they don't inspire me. People who inspire me are people who really like, how the fuck are you even here? Like how, (laughs) how do you turn up? Like he turns up. He's actually in hospital right now because he's got a, a problem that's being fixed. But, you know, he and he's in and out of hospital all of the time. And then he turns up, he hugs me and he goes, how are you? And I go, I'm good. And he goes, no, look at me. So I look at him and he goes, how are you really? And I go, I'm good. Like this is the guy who, you know. He's dealing with so much shit himself. I've got a friend, Ian Walker, who have had on the show too, and he's uh, uh, he got hit by a, a truck. Uh, when he was out uh, cycling, I think it was, years and years ago, and he ended up, you know, uh, a paraplegic. And then he recovered, you know, like he didn't recover. He was still in a wheelchair, but he was out racing his wheelchair because he did wheelchair racing and he's part of our club and stuff. And then he got hit by another truck. Oh. <laughs> now he's a quadriplegic. And this guy just, he is relentless in his attitude. Like he is, and I've seen him dragging himself like with his hands because he's got access now to his hands again. And, you know, after working for the last couple of years and he, like, on a, on a walker frame thing, dragging himself two steps and, you know, taking a little video of him dragging his feet. He's not, the feet aren't working. They're just being dragged. But the relentless attitude of the guy, like, I'm just like, you're the freaking hero. You're amazing. Mm. Why aren't you on every bloody magazine cover? And why aren't you, like, super famous you know like yeah. those are the people that really float my boat yeah and i wish it was that i wish that i'm with you i wish they were on the front of the boxes and the packages mm. and the magazines and mm. um you know but hopefully we're moving in the right direction yeah craig you've been wonderful today thank you so much for your time i will have you back on again no doubt because you're just legend and i loved hanging out with you mate awesome. thanks lise appreciate you see everyone <laughs> see you mate That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com. 